Hey, ringers, you are listening to an older episode of the Put a Ring on It podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you're on a total binge and this is your 50th, thank you. You are already a ringer in our hearts. You'll hear more about ringers in future episodes. And you'll hear in season six that we launched a Patreon community for amazing ringers just like you. But because this is an older episode, you're not yet privy to that information. And we didn't want you to miss out, so please accept our invitation to join us at patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash P-A-R-O-I. Patreon is a membership platform that allows amazing listeners like you to support fun-loving creatives like us in a really big way. Yeah, you can become a supporter for as little as two bucks a month, and we've got some amazing benefits for you, like getting your questions answered, one-on-ones with Danielle and I, and a ton more. All are welcome, and we can't thank you enough for your support. Okay, now on to the show. Psst. Hey, guys. Um, you're really great. Yeah. Yeah, like really, really great. We love you guys. <laughs> you know what really bums me out? That there is a ton of customization available for brides and bridesmaids for their wedding attire. But when it comes to us guys, it seems like we've got way less options. That's why we love the Naughty Tie Company. Not naughty as in naughty, but naughty as in, you know, tying the knot. Yeah. Anyway, the Naughty Tie Company has ties, bow ties, and pocket squares that are totally customizable. You can match colors or patterns to things like bridesmaids dresses, flowers, your table linens, or really whatever you'd like. And everything is printed and sewn right in Denver, Colorado, which is nowhere near us here in Philly, but that's not the point. So if you go to NaughtyTie.com slash ring, they are going to hook you up with free design service from one of their amazing designers. That's easily like $20 you're going to save just for being a Put a Ring on a Podcast listener. That's K-N-O-T-T-Y-T-I-E dot com slash R-I-N-G. Welcome to the Put a Ring on a Podcast, a podcast for anyone who's Pinterest like it's their full-time job. I'm Danielle Pasternak, wedding planner and really, really good singer, but only in the shower. And I'm Daniel Moyer, expert wielder of cameras and lawnmowers. Let's do this. Welcome to episode 33 of season three of the Put a Ring on a Podcast, three, three, three. Three, all, three, three, threes, all the threes, threes, all the threes. Dan, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful. And actually, the, I just have one thing that I want to report. Um, I found a really cool new website. Uh, right now, it's pretty local to Philly. It's for couples playing their wedding. And it's also for uh, wedding professionals. So if there's any wedding professionals out there listening to this, this is for you too. Um, it just seems like a, a unique way, kind of like a one-stop shop for different wedding professionals and things but you also get to see in addition to all the things that like the giant websites feature like inspiration feeds and that kind of thing um you get to see a list of like exactly what professionals worked on a wedding and there's a social aspect to it as well um it's called flutter social like flutters and like fluttering your wings flutter social um i'm on there it's just starting out and uh it it seems pretty cool i think you just started up too danielle right yeah, it's it, yeah, it's very it's very very new. So if you get on there and like, hey, there's not too much going on here. It's in the early stages and it's building. But um, yeah, Dan, you introduced me to it, and I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm trying to get on the ground floor, and um, yeah. I know the the lady who started it, and she's super sweet. Her name is Marcy. So um, yeah, I'm just kind of excited to to see what happens with it, and hopefully it'll be really useful to any couples out there who are looking for professionals in like the Northeast United States. Uh, hopefully it'll spread out a little bit, um, but we'll see. It just seems pretty cool so far. Yeah, and this isn't an ad either. We're not getting paid to talk about this. Dan just no. found out about it and wanted to uh, to spread the word a little. Yeah, yeah. So let's just let's just jump into today's yeah. episode. Crushing it. Yeah. So when we were brainstorming um, different topics and ideas for episodes for season three this episode we initially wrote it down as wedding traditions that we love and hate and dan and i have talked about this a lot and we we don't really like first of all what do you care what we love and hate but we wanted to 
you know, our, our podcast is very much all about helping you, you know, the person planning a wedding. And we didn't think it would do you very much good just to hear us talk about our likes and dislikes. So right. instead of just complaining about some of the traditions we see and don't personally care for, though we may really have a, a really good reason not to, <clears throat> we thought we'd put a little bit of a spin on it and talk about some ways that you can put your own twist on the tradition itself if it feels like that tradition isn't necessarily a very good fit for you. Yeah, we we should say that there's a lot of traditions out there, like a ton, um, and they differ from culture to culture. But you know, we're we're really mainly focusing on like the standard American traditions uh, on this episode. So if you you know plan on doing a fun tradition that you're really excited for, shoot us a message um, on our website, the Put a Ring on It Podcast website, and just let us know how you're doing things, how you're taking advantage of you know making your wedding your own, and we'd love to hear about it. Mm-hmm. So like everything we're going to talk about today, <clears throat> if you are super frog in my throat, holy moly, if you are <clears throat> excited about doing that thing and then you hear us sort of like give you a new spin on it, but you like it the original way, please still do it the original way. <laughs> do it Absolutely. whichever way you like. We just want to give you some cool ideas for things that we've seen um, <clears throat> that may solve a problem or may solve a, a something that you're thinking about might be a, a hurdle for you. Gotcha. So let's start with a heavy one. Yep, the elephant in the room, which is dad walking his daughter down the aisle. Yes, this is a pretty tried and true tradition. Um, honestly, it's a moment of any wedding I love when the bride, um, you know, is about to walk down the aisle. But we're definitely living in a, in a world where it's not only brides and grooms involved. If there's two brides, if there's two grooms, and I think, quite honestly, it's a moment where. I love incorporating both parents, however both parents want to be incorporated. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a, a, a recent change that happened in the Catholic Church where it, it was actually, I think, the beginning of this year, like December of 2016, um, where they changed the processional in the Catholic Church to include the mom walking uh, the bride down the aisle as well. And it was a... It was a change that was made to reflect like both parents, uh, you know, having an equal say in in the raising of their their child. Um, but I know that, you know, there's been a little bit of like uh, pushback or no. But, you know, I know that there's been a little bit of like people trying to decide what to do because this was handed down as something that like you have to do, like priests should enforce this. Uh, and I had a couple who was getting married like right after this came out and she really just said and her family both agreed that like she just really wanted her dad to walk her down the aisle that is what she had always planned for that is what she hoped for her mom was fine with that her mom really built up this this moment where she would see her husband walk her only daughter down the aisle and that was a big moment for them and they had to discuss it with the priest and and kind of get an okay with it but the priest was flexible anyway and it it came together nicely so Something to consider. <laughs> yeah, I think I think too is is not everyone on this planet um, has a dad in their life, um, yeah. either anymore or a dad that they really want walking them down the aisle. Everybody has different um, you know situations, and I think it's okay if you go a different route. Um, yep. I do think it's always important that you have a conversation with your dad if he is around. That um, you know before the rehearsal and before the wedding day, like have a conversation when emotions aren't as high um, because if he's expecting to walk you down the aisle, it can be a tough flow. But like if you've got a great mom, grandparent, sibling, brother, whatever it is, I think they're also great candidates. But at the same time, I had a bride recently. She walked herself um, down the aisle by herself. She Well, she walked most of the way. She walked about like 75% of the way down the aisle by herself. She actually met her dad towards the end. Um, and I, I thought that was like a really nice way to do it too. So it's, it's, there's a lot of different things. I just think it can be an emotional or even like a tricky subject for some people. Um, I just also like to say to find a way to include mom in there. Yeah. Okay, cool. So speaking of parents, parent dances. Hmm. Yes. What do you think? So I, I love watching parent dances, but there's so much focus on the father, daughter, and mother-son dynamic that I feel like yeah. mother-daughters and father-sons honestly get a little gypped. And um, while you can absolutely still do a traditional parent dance, 
I, I would challenge you to maybe find a creative way to include both of your parents or, or anyone who's had an insanely important, you know, role in raising you. Maybe plan a special dance with like your brother or your sister. And it doesn't even have to be a slow dance um, or a grandparent who's special to your heart. Um, and if you don't really have a great relationship with your mom and dad, don't feel like you have to do parent dances either. Right. And a lot of couples are actually kind of changing everything and opting to do just one dance where both father, daughter, and mother, son are out there dancing together to the same song, um, or they're doing their parent dances during one of the slow songs, you know, that is naturally going to happen throughout the night, um, where all your guests are already dancing. So they're not as, you know, uncomfortable, uh, just being the center of attention in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. I've also seen it too, where they've, they've been dancing with, um, with their parent and then they switch parents and like the other parent comes out and then all the parents dance together while the bride and groom dance together. Like there's so many different ways you can, you can go about doing it. And you know, it's just, it's just about making it your own. But like, I like including, you know, everybody that has sort of had a hand in that for you. Yeah. Do you think that there's any one parent who's generally left out most Assuming that like both, you know, sets of parents are still married, they're still together, you know, do you feel like there's any parent that's typically left out most? Because I think there's one. Who do you think? Father of the groom. Right. That's the only yeah. one I could, I could, yeah. Because I guess the mother of the bride sort of has her like morning getting ready moments yep. with her daughter and all of that um, in and, like a tradition, a typical, not typical, I don't know if that's the right word, but in more than average of the weddings, I would say that's the case. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you know, the mother, uh, mother, son dance, like, you know, mother, of the groom gets like a spotlight there. Father, daughter dance, you know, dad gets uh, the spotlight there of the bride. And I feel like the, the spotlight is generally also on like mother of the bride. Uh, if they're like, again, if the relationship is still connected there, if everything's mm -hmm. good, that the like mother, of the bride is also just kind of like part of this very special thing that like, you know, that there's a connection there um, and that. But I feel like the. The father of the groom is the one who tends to get left out most. Mm -hmm. um, so if everything is good and kosher um, with your families, maybe there's a fun way you could add him. I know we had my dad just do a little reading. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we just wanted to be able to do that. We had him do a reading um, in our ceremony, and he was very appreciative of that. I like it when dads give toasts to yeah. Um, I always feel like they come from like a really great place. They're usually oh, yeah. great speakers. Like dads just they they know how to they know how to win over a crowd and like make you feel all the feels. Those are some of my favorite toasts that ones that come from dads. I'm already writing my toast uh for my daughter's wedding in That seems practical. <laughs> in twenty twenty five, thirty years. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not really 40 years, 40 years <laughs> Four, in 40 years. You're not dating until you're married. Yes. That seems reasonable. <laughs> that was the joke that uh, my wife's dad used to always make to her. You're not dating until you're married. Yeah, that seems fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, let's let's talk about this one. All the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single, all the single ladies every uh, time. So, um, there is a tradition here where it's called a garter and a bouquet toss, where the bouquet, the bride throws a bouquet, the groom takes a garter from up the bride's dress, pulls it off of her leg, throws it to a bunch of single men, and then that single man who caught the garter has to put the garter on the single girl who caught the bouquet, and they're usually strangers, probably dating someone who's also in the room. The whole thing's just uncomfortable, you guys. It's very awkward. It's a bad Unless idea. Unless you have a no, whole bunch a of idea. like really single, like like way single friends. Um, like a butt just, ton of single friends. Yeah, like a crazy amount of single friends it, who aren't afraid to like mix and mingle and get a little extra friendly. Um, don't do this in the traditional sense. Right. It's, it's, it's more often than not, it's a very awkward exchange that happens. It kills yep. your dance floor. Um, yep. If you don't have a lot of single people, it just never seems to work out. There's sometimes the teenager that catches the bouquet and a very yep. older gentleman who catches a garter, making it super inappropriate now for them to do anything else past this. So you can still, in my opinion, toss the bouquet, but maybe skip the garter part. I don't, I don't know. Dan, what do you think? Can we, I, we said this on an episode a long time ago 
and I still have not heard of anybody who's done it. I want you to take your bouquet or maybe a throwaway bouquet if you get one, wrap a $100 bill around that bouquet, get every person out on that dance floor and chuck it into the crowd and see what happens. That's what I really <laughs> want to see so bad. <laughs> that would be amazing to like photograph. Oh my gosh, that's what I'm saying. Photo or video of it. If you have done that and you're listening to this podcast still and you had a videographer or you had somebody who like took video on their phone or something, please just send that to us. That would t- totally just make my day. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, that's good. I think if you are going to do bouquet toss, one thing I do want to suggest is ask your florist to make you a smaller, also known as less expensive version of your bouquet so you can still hang on to yours, whether you're doing it as a keepsake to have preserved or pressed or or whatever you have plans for. But I don't recommend throwing your actual bouquet, mainly because it's probably going to be more heavy than you're expecting. And also, it's just something that I imagine you'd want to hang on to. And, you know, you don't have to throw a bouquet either. You could throw, like, if you're having a lot of kids at your wedding, you can throw, like, a teddy bear. I've seen people throw a football. I've seen a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to do something like that, just think outside the box. Okay, so moving right along, I think we might disagree slightly on this one. Really? Yeah, maybe. Go ahead. So I I don't like it. I do not like the cake smashing. At I've the actually not seen it much lately. I have haven't you seen it lately. No, mainly yeah. because I've been asking my couples if they're going to. What, so why do you, Dan? Do why you, you like, like it? it? No, why don't you like it? I don't like it because I know how much time and money was invested in hair and makeup earlier that day, and the cake cutting almost always happens before another major formality, like a parent dance or a toast or something, and it takes time to get everybody cleaned up and get all the icing and frosting out of their nose and out of their hair <laughs> and like out from like down the cleavage of the dress, and I, I just feel like it's never in my life do I feed my partner and like smash food in his face, so why do it in front of a bunch of people? I don't know. I do not so, understand this. Yeah, I I agree. For pictures, it's always hilarious and funny. And I have not seen many couples. I've seen like little cute, like, you know, he or she will get like a a little a little scoop of frosting on their finger. And then when they least right. expect it, they like bloop the nose or something. Right. Um, a bloop on the just, nose, I accept. It's cute because then one of them ends up licking it off. And I think it's adorable. The like jamming cake up the person's like nose and in all of their face orifices it's not my jam see i take that as people taking this tradition of like feeding each other cake and just making it their own like there are some couples who like it would definitely not work for to smash it cake in each other's faces but the couples who i have done i was like yeah that totally makes sense because like they were either like skeptical of the entire process to begin with. And it's like, all right, here's this other thing. We're just going to feed each other cake. But they're just like this quirky, silly, fun loving couple. And that was their way of grabbing the reins and, and uh, doing something different was to um, deescalate this like supposedly like pretty nice, fun thing where they're like feeding each other cake and just get a little crazy with it. Um, again, the couples who have, have seen it done, like it just totally made sense. That's for sure. Gotcha. Well, so I, I, a long time ago, right when I first started out, I worked at a venue and the owner of that venue told me the history of where wedding cake comes from. I have no idea if this is true or not, but I've always stuck with it because I like the story of it. And the story of it goes that, and I think I've talked about it before on this podcast, but the story of it goes that the wedding cake back in the day came about because... It was, you know, everybody got together and they didn't really do the same meals like we see in today's weddings, but they sort of did maybe more of a potluck, whatever it was, but there was always this cake. And the cake was the gift from the bride and groom to their guests. So it was the first thing that they essentially shared with each other. That's why they feed each other the cake. And then they share that cake with their community, with their guests. So it's sort of sharing that gift. And I feel like when you smash that gift in your partner's face, that's why I don't like it. Okay. I can I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. I you don't like it, but it may be really good for some couples. Yeah. And it's also I I don't know if I said this, but it's the he, the way he explained it to me is it's it's the first gift you give each other as husband yeah. and wife, right? That's sweet. So, I like yeah. that. Um but what about the rings? If they have 
the rings? Already had the ceremony. If that if the cake is the first gift they give, wouldn't the rings be the first gift that they've given each other? Because if just exchanged rings like a couple hours prior. Is the ring considered a gift or is the ring more of a symbol? Hmm. Oh, stumped you on that one. I have no idea. That's the only thing I can come up with. Anyway, mic drop. Um, <laughs> really just well, cake in general yeah, is, yeah. Is, is another thing that like if you don't like cake as a couple, you don't have to have cake at your wedding. I'm seeing less like less and less fancy cakes, maybe like a like two or three tier max where like it's not not like a ton for everyone, not even really meant for anybody to actually eat. Um, it's more cupcakes, cookies, um, different like bars, French fries and ice cream or mini desserts. What is that fancy word for mini desserts that you use? Uh, petty fours. Petty fours. That's mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah, a lot of couples have been fancy doing like word for mini desserts. Yeah, fancy super word. fancy. It is very fancy, I think. Um, I've seen a lot of mothers uh, and aunts really involved in like creating a whole bunch, like a big spread of different cookies. Like this mm-hmm. past weekend, um, I had a huge amount of Pennsylvania Dutch. Um, kiffles and all different kinds of things for this wedding. And kiffles? they kiffles. You ever had kiffles? We call them kiefleys in our house. Kiefleys? Kiefleys, yep. Okay, anyway. <laughs> They're called kiffles. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The, I, I 100% know we call them kiefleys in our house. Gotcha. Yeah, there was just like these, it was like this beautiful tradition, I guess, at like the all the weddings in their family where mom, aunts, you know, and uh, all of the women of this family, grandparents would get together and they would bake like an insane amount of cookies. And I'll tell you what, like I was like, man, that is a lot of cookies for like 100 people. And they were gone in moments. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was awesome. But I just I really like that idea of like that was a tradition that their family did. Um, and they kind of took that and made it their own and applied it to all these different weddings. And it was a way for them to get together um, because the bride also helped and the groom also helped as well make the cookies for their guests. It was just a sweet, um, nice sentimental gesture. A lot of love goes into that. And, you know, if you still want to feed each other something, you can can still feed each other the cookie or feed, you know, cut a cupcake. You can still do anything. Um, A popular thing, like Dan said, it's um, even going smaller. It's just called a cutting cake where it's just a one- tier yep. cute little you can put some flowers on it not super expensive and you just cut that if you still want to cut a cake but no law says you have to have a cake it will still oh. your your marriage will still be legal cake or non-cake <laughs> true cake or sans oh. cake whatever sans cake cake sans cake we didn't even eat the cake at our wedding we it did smelled eat it a amazing. year later though it was really i remember good. it smelling amazing i don't we- know how that cake had such a scent we invested in this young girl who was a the sister of a past bride of mine, and she um she was in school for baking, and she just did this absolutely fabulous cake. It was sweet. Like we went to her parents' house, we had like a little tasting on like styrofoam plates and stuff. It was adorable, and the cake was absolutely fabulous. It was. Yeah, I agree. I anyway. think I had that cake. <clears throat> It was good. Um, okay, so here's a here's a, a newer thing that's not seeing each other or seeing each other before the ceremony. Yes. So the tradition uh, originally stands in that the bride and the groom do not see each other until the ceremony, until the bride is quote walking down the aisle. And that it's the tradition is that it's bad luck, right, to see each other the bride before the ceremony. Yeah, right. Somewhere somewhere along the way, that phrase of it being bad luck got attached to seeing each other before the ceremony, but. Yeah. I mean, in my honest opinion, unless it's very important to one of you not to see each other, I would strongly consider um, doing a first look, which we've talked about before, just to save you some time and extend the hours of the day. Um, Dan, just for the sake of of being thorough, do you want to explain what a first look is? Sure. Um, A first look is essentially the non-traditional way of seeing each other before the ceremony um, in a private small meeting for just the two of you. Essentially, um, it comes down to um, 
you know, your partner being placed in one facing one direction and you walking up behind that person, either tapping them on the shoulder or saying something sweet so that they turn around. And really the purpose of it is, is how do I want to say this? Cause I don't like first looks, but I, I want to be as neutral as possible. <laughs> but why don't you uh, like first looks? So, um, a lot of people do it for the photographs, I think for the, the less pressure to get, you know, maybe a little more, uh, free time in your timeline. But I think that there's definitely a, a huge focus on doing it for the, the, the photographs that come from it. Oh, I, I might disagree with that. I, okay. I, 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 the, when I talk through it with couples, it's more about extending the time of their day, like especially if their ceremony isn't until five, six o'clock at night. Like that's a long time I feel like to spend on your wedding day without your significant other, you know, in, in doing things. And I think it, it sort of gives you a little bit more time to work with. And I also think it's a lot of it, it comes down to emotion and nerves that yeah. they sort of are looking for their for their strength, for that comfort in that other person and not waiting until they walk down the aisle. It might take a, it might, um, it might unload some of that stress, just having like already seen each other and like knowing like you've already sort of squeezed each other and giving each other that like love and like, holy crap, you look beautiful. And like, oh my gosh, we're really doing this. Like those sort of emotions, it sort of, Mm -hmm. um, allows them to come out a little bit earlier and in a little bit more private way versus when you're standing at an altar. See, I see it as like, like there's definitely that aspect to it, but that aspect seems to last only 10, 15 minutes. Like then the next hour, hour and a half or whatever is spent like, okay, so we're doing the first look. Now we're going to do photos for the next whatever. And I feel like in that aspect, like, like, yes, there's, you get out some of the nerves and emotions beforehand, but it does shift the timeline in a way that is more conducive to having more photographs, you know? Um, And if it's, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, because like first looks I think are really they're very helpful to me as a photographer, that's for sure. Like I get the timeline is much more padded. I get to have, you know, more time to walk you guys around. But if it I also come from the standpoint that on the list of very important people on the wedding day, I'm very, 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 very low on that list. I'm at the bottom of that list. So why should you be spending two hours of your day with me? Um, I would much rather have it be the opposite where if you want to do your first look and see each other beforehand, do it and spend time together. See your parents, see grandparents, see you know, spend time with your your uh, wedding party um, and just enjoy that time with your friends and family because it is your wedding day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, uh, have your ceremony. And then if you want to do some photographs of family wedding party and then the two of you after that totally still works in my book. Um, you know, there will be scheduled photo time, but outside of that time, I think there it should, it's your wedding day and you should spend time with the people who you love most. Does that make sense? It does. I I think, I think it comes down to knowing that it's okay to structure your day however you want to. Yes, absolutely. Based on what's most important to you. You know, I think, I think that's a big part of it. And even when I say, you know, seeing each other before the ceremony, I, it also goes to say like, no one says you can't spend the previous night together either. I think it's super common for couples to spend the night before they get married in separate rooms, houses, hotel rooms, yep. whatever it might be. And I don't know. Like, I, I think if you're a person that you sleep best when you're next to your partner and there's no better night than the night on before your wedding, to, I think, to to spend together. And like, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with waking up, maybe having breakfast together. Like, I oh, think yeah. that's a great start. If, I mean... Uh, on the flip side, if you've always like, if you and your gal pals or your best friends have always sort of talked about that like sleepover the night before and that's super exciting, yeah. go for it. But gosh, if that's not your, if that's not your shtick, yeah, yeah, I definitely don't want to downplay like the importance of photographs on a wedding day, and that's not right. absolutely not what I'm trying to do, and not what I'm trying to talk anybody in or out of doing a first look. Um, I just really. Uh, I definitely appreciate the importance of photographs, but I also really appreciate the importance of authentic photographs with people who mean a lot to you and the importance of like real moments on a wedding day as they happen naturally. So I guess, you know, sometimes I worry, like I wonder like how much time do we really need and can we leave time for relaxation, for connection with those people who have traveled in a while to support you and leaving time for the unexpected 
Um, because when I talk to a lot of my couples post wedding six months a year down the road and I ask them what their favorite photographs are, it is always like a real moment where the two of them were lost in their own little world, loving on each other or when they were laughing, crying, cheering, toasting, or just surrounded by the love of their friends and family who are there to support them. Um, so I guess that's part of how I come with it. So there's like this delicate balance and you have to find out what that balance is for you. Right. And Dan steps off his soapbox. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The next one I want to talk about is, um, you know, the very tried and true tradition of having all of the girls being bridesmaids and all of the dudes being groomsmen um, in your wedding party. I say, do not be afraid to mix it up. Yep. I've had couples opt for what they've called a wedding tribe uh, or their best people, which have included, yeah, included their... It included bridesmen, included groomsmaid, or who cares about titles, and it was just their best people, um, that when they got married, they stood there, um, you know, they were their wingmen, if you will, yeah. while the uh, while the wedding is happening. And I think the only thing when it comes to mixing up your wedding party, because it's not happening as much as I think it will be happening in the future, is you have to think about where is everyone getting ready? Like, if, yeah. there's, if there's girls on, you know, with a bunch of guys getting ready, is she still getting hair and makeup done? You want, I think you want everyone to still feel included. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but, but everyone does not have to be separated. It's, it's just having a good time supporting yep. like your favorite people that are getting married and, and having a great day. Yep. And I know a few people who, um, you know, a few buddies that I know had, um, uh, ladies on as their <clears throat> grooms people. Uh, and, they opted grooms people. to d- grooms people um, <laughs> on uh, like as his very important people. And he opted to do well, actually them as a couple opted to do like a whole wedding party um, instead of bachelor or bachelorette weekend. They just had like one giant group so everybody could be involved. Everybody can be invited rather than just like an individual, um, you know, guys going here, girls going here. And then this, you know, the odd people out um, felt you know, uneasy or unsure or, uh, or unwelcome or something. But they, yeah, they thought way ahead. They planned like a huge weekend for the entire wedding party to get together. Uh, and it was a blast. So, you know, if you're going to do that, consider that as well. Right. And I, I think too, if you want to have these people that you spend those parties with and these moments with, like that you want surrounded getting ready with you and just have your back, they don't, they don't have to be, you know, f- formal wedding party members either where like okay you guys have to rent a tux and you have to get a dress and this is the color like they can just be guests at the wedding that you invite that and say like hey come get ready with me that morning i'd love to have your like i'd love to have you around and like if you want we can bring in hair and makeup and and do whatever but like don't feel like they have to be uh, be given official titles and have to have this official role to in order to do the things that you want them there for. I've had couples who just want to get ready by themselves and opt for, you know, just quiet time during that moment too, where they just, they just want a time to themselves. So it just yeah. depends on what makes sense to you. And I think that also goes in, in line with this concept of, of telling people what to wear. Um, yeah. Whether it's outside sources telling you as the couple what you should wear, what color you should wear, like that, oh, the bride must wear white or the groom has to look different from his groomsmen or, you know, if you don't have a veil, you're not a real bride. Um, I think it, it goes down to like wear what makes sense to you and what makes you feel special and excited and ready to celebrate. And, you know, even bridesmaids, like there's a super trendy, you know, Trendy trend. It's a trendy trend going on right now. That's <laughs> all I got. Um, of 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 the bridesmaids being mismatched, and you know everybody just has to wear navy or champagne or whatever color it is, and then everybody just finds a dress that suits them. So, hmm. yeah, yeah, there's a lot of those things that like, uh, you know, are definitely coming from a place of tradition, and people are you know questioning why they're doing them. And another set of those traditions is like i guess you could call them bride centric like the whole wedding day uh and even you know how many wedding professionals communicate with couples is very bride centric um so things like sayings like you know you may now kiss the bride or who gives this bride to be married you can really uh, love and appreciate these iconic sayings but they are they are sexist and outdated right would you agree with yes, that absolutely. yeah um 
I think just in general, um, you know, it takes two to tango, right? Like, like you need, what do you always say? You need, um, someone (laughs) to marry you and a person to marry, right? Right. And maybe a cute outfit. Maybe a cute outfit. Oh, and a marriage license. That's why I say you, you need a marriage license, someone to marry you, someone to marry, and maybe a cute outfit. That's, that's what I always say. I think it's just it can be very bride centric. So I think yes. just just considering how that plays into your planning process, just being mm-hmm. aware of that, um, may allow you to take some steps towards really changing things for a way that you. Uh, you are both celebrated and your your marriage is celebrated. Does that make sense? Um, Absolutely. So like some alternatives, um, it's very common for, you know, when dad walks the bride down the aisle, the officiant asks, who, give this, who gives this bride to be married? Um, yeah. And I think there's ways, and you'd want to talk about it with the person who is marrying you, but there's ways to say, you know, like, you know, who who promises to love and support these two individuals in their marriage? And that's an opportunity yeah. for, for either everyone or the, just the parents or whatever to respond with like we do, you know? Yeah. Um, and same thing with like, you may now kiss the bride. There's this like, you know, oh, the officiant is like giving the groom permission to kiss his ownership bride. Like that's, right. you know, it's just, you know, you, you the officiant can just say like, you may now kiss each other or you may now kiss yep. or don't wait for their permission and kiss whenever the hell you want to kiss. Like, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think that the tradition is meant to be meant to be malicious or you know malintent, but you know it's at the very least it's outdated and just yes. comes from a time when things were a little different. You know, right? Um, when like dad was like marrying off his daughter in return for like a herd of goats. <laughs> right? Is it a herd of goats? A pack of goats? A gaggle? flock, a gaggle of goats. There's a Hold gaggle on. of something. Uh, how do you? I'm googling. Describe what is a group of goats called? A tribe, a trip, a drove, a herd, or a flock? Okay, you got it. So nice. I said some of those words. A flock uh, of goats. That doesn't sound right. In exchange for my daughter. No, I agree because <laughs> I think a flock is in something that flies. Because you know, gotcha. fl. Yeah. Flying Fla- and flocking. <laughs> Back that to the puttering on a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. So just these are things definitely to just to take note of and adjust them for how you both feel comfortable, celebrated, you know. And if you are in a super highly traditional setting and you are comfortable with it, go for it. Right. You know? These may be terms that like you've waited to hear all your life. Like Absolutely. that's okay too. Right. Yeah. I think it's it's about if you want to change it, though, it's about politely approaching it with your officiant yes. um, from like a very kind standpoint and not that you want to change their <laughs> you don't want to rock their world too much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you are equals, so you can enter into marriage as equals. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Without any exchanging of goats. No goats exchanged. (laughs) That might be one of my favorite moments thus far. Um, Okay. Uh, So while we're on the topic of family and sort of things like that, unity, um, dividing families at the ceremony and reception. Right. So there is um, a traditional bride side and groom side um, at your traditional ceremonies, especially those that are taking place in churches, Jewish ceremonies, things like that. Um, obviously, when you are not a quote unquote bride with a quote unquote groom, um, that can get really tricky because <laughs> you can't have just everybody sitting all on the same side. But, you know, it's 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 I don't think there's anything wrong with everybody just finding a seat, sitting together. There's a very common um sign that you'll see if you're on Pinterest that says pick a seat not a side we're all family once the knot is tied that everybody knows that they can just sit wherever they like but yeah um but yeah and encourage to encourage people to fill in your ceremony site nice and evenly so if one side is you know bigger than the other like if you have more of your family coming than your significant other's family just that is definitely something to take into consideration and just you know have them sit wherever they want, right? Um, right. So it doesn't and look like one even... person has a bigger team. Right, because you, you might just not have that big of a family. Like if you yeah. have a lot of like 
only children in like you know in your family and your your partner's family has tons of aunts and uncles and all this stuff then just naturally you're going to be outnumbered so yeah i think it's just about balancing it out everybody's everybody's there to celebrate the two of you together my wife's mom is one of 11 so there's a lot of people at our wedding wow yeah you know same goes for the reception seat people with folks that they know obviously but don't be afraid to just mix it up um and get everyone talking and introducing themselves this exactly. is something that this is something that Rachel and I um <clears throat> had a little trouble with in the beginning because we really wanted to make sure that everybody got to sit with somebody normal uh we really normal. wanted to make sure that yeah normal we really wanted to make sure that everybody got to sit with somebody that they kind of knew that they could be um you know, have a nice conversation with. And there was just this, a couple of different people from different areas of our lives that just we knew would not know each other or anybody at the wedding. So we ended up kind of throwing them all at one table. And what ended up happening is that they all talked. They found out that there were mutual connections between them. And then because nobody sits at tables for very long anyway, except for dinner, then they got up and danced anyway. So like we realized that like the amount of time that they were going to be sitting at their tables was way outweighing how how much time we were spending on trying to figure out where to put people at the wedding. They were only sitting there for like an hour and then, you know, we got them all up to party anyway. Right. And maybe that, that was the actual motivator. You know what? Just put people against like next to people that they don't like so that way they're forced <laughs> to get up and dance. That's what you should do from now on. Everybody dance advice of the day. <laughs> dance advice of the day. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, boy. Um, Ooh, another th yeah. This is a fun one. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. This is a fun one. So this is uh, easily one of my favorite moments of any wedding is when um, the introductions. So ceremony has happened. Cocktail has happened. Everybody's sitting down waiting for, you know, waiting for dinner to start and then the DJ or the MC brings up the entire energy of the room. So this is now when we spend about like 10 minutes having everybody introduced to the room from grandparents to parents to the bridesmaids to the groomsmen to the maid of honor and the best man and the flower girl and the ring bearer. And then the for the first time. Yeah. So it's <laughs> really, <laughs> which isn't ever really the first time either. Um, I think this is an area of your day that you can, A, save some time, yep. and maybe just opt to introduce just the two of you. You can still acknowledge the yeah. parents from their seats. You can you know, skip announcing the wedding party altogether, or a lot of my couples now are opting to introduce the wedding party where they, they are just sort of like, and the wedding party, and the wedding party just comes into the room, because yep. I, I say this all the time, but nobody cares about the wedding party. <laughs> Yeah. that's mean but they don't they care about they care about the couple who just got married that's what everyone is there to celebrate um and i think the longer you take just introducing every single person i don't know i don't know if it's the best time spent yeah when you agreed. only have a little bit limited amount of time i would say though that the introduction of the two of you is in my opinion is arguably the the most underrated moment of the day at least from my perspective as like when we got married, because that to me was over the, the most overwhelming in a positive way moment of the entire day, um, because it, it like it was so vibrant and loud and tangible when we were announced as a you know couple into our wedding and like. The all, all eyes were on us. And I don't know if you know this, Danielle, but I do like to be the center of attention, um, <laughs> but it like it, you know, we saw the love around us, but at that moment we really felt it as well. We felt absolutely loved and absolutely cared for, and that's everybody was just sending out their their good thoughts and joy and good juju, as you call it, um, towards us, and we we absolutely felt that. We just were elated at that moment. And I, I really encourage all of my couples just to like soak that moment in and prepare for it. Like I heard the music like getting pumped up and as people were getting introduced, like I, like I felt like the, the rush coming into my body and Rachel and I started walking down the hallway. And when he announced us that just that roar was so palpable, it was just uh, so exciting. And those are some of my favorite photographs from our wedding is when we were walking in. Oh, just so good. Well, I just remember often... like, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying, like, I, 
I remember like like the noise starting to like like die down once we reached the center. And I just was like, no, more, 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 more. And I was like shaking my hands like, come on, give me more. Um, and everybody just like cheered louder. It was just so good. It was just such a, a an overwhelmingly beautiful moment of our wedding day that is so vividly crystallized in my mind of how perfect and how lucky that we both are. Right. I think depending on your profession too, how often in our lives do we walk into a room and just have everyone like over the moon cheering for us? <laughs> well, like, right. I mean, <laughs> right. Sure. Dan, I don't yeah. want to brag or anything, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I mean, have you seen sure, me? Dan. <laughs> yeah. All right. Continue. Okay. Anyway, the bef- <laughs> last, last one for this episode. Um, and this may be controversial, but I, uh, I want to talk about flower girls and ring bearers. Mm. So kids are like usually super cute. I'm going to let you um, dig your hole with this one. I Yeah, just let me dig away. They're, they're <laughs> super cute, right? But like having a flower girl and a ring bearer can really sometimes add a tricky dynamic to the day um, that requires some additional planning. I'm not saying don't do it. If you have a kiddo or two in your life that absolutely must be in your wedding party, then do it. I- I'm just saying if you are considering picking a extended cousin's child to be your flower girl or ring bearer for the sake of having a flower girl or ring bearer, then maybe it's not a great idea. Yeah. They can can't definitely... all be Pippa. <laughs> oh. Or Princess Kate. Wait, no, she's not Princess Kate. Who's Pippa's Kate? Pippa's the sister. Right, Pippa's the sister, but what is Kate officially? Kate? Mm. Kate. No. Y'all know who I'm talking about who had yeah, like Kate seven... Yes, yes, exactly. Who had like, you know, all these cute, adorable flower girls and, and whatever. But anyway, we can't um, all be Kate, guys. Yeah, they kiddos definitely throw a wrench in the works for photos too like if you're trying to get photographs of your wedding party and you try to get like a few kids in there like it it can add a a couple of minutes 10 minutes even to just one photograph that would be pretty much set up and done in like a minute or two i mean it's just because kids love to like when they know you're taking their pictures like that's when they decide they need to pick their nose and cannot put their tongue in their mouth (laughs) for any bribe whatsoever or just have like a temper tantrum that like yes. their parent is standing like 20 feet away. Why are you not holding me at this moment? And then they run out of the fr- picture screaming with their arms up. And I think it's hilarious. But, you know, uh, that's what and that's what happened on the wedding day. Um, but, you know, that that perfect photo of the, you know, flower girl, like holding her little basket and the ring bear holding his little pillow and everybody's smiling. Sometimes that's hard to get with kiddos who are, um, you know, uh trying to have pictures taken during their nap time or they're hungry or thirsty or their socks are too socky or, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> it's itchy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Well, uh, kids, in my opinion, kids thrive off of routines. Yep. And on a wedding day, their routine will be very thrown off, uh, very thrown off. And they are sensitive to emotions and tensions around them. And I think it's just super easy for them to feel all those, those, those different dynamics in the room. They feel like the energy is off and they react to it. Even the most best behaved kids have moments because like Dan said, it's, it's, I can almost guarantee you that some part of your ceremony or, and or photos will fall directly during a time when that child is supposed to be eating and or napping. (laughs) It's, it's, it's just what it comes down to. And, you know, depending on their age, transportation gets tricky. Do they need a car seat? Uh, You know, semi off the record, like some parents, you know, you you just sort of make it work and it is what it is for the, you know, to get in the limo. But for some parents, it's very important that their child's in a car seat. And that's tough. Super tough. Yeah. If if you do opt to have a kiddo in your tribe, um, make sure a non-wedding party or non-VIP um, parent or grandparent or something is designated to make sure that kiddo knows where they're supposed to be, that they're transported, that they're dressed, that they're fed, that they're napped, that they're entertained, that they have their special blankie that they need to, and they're able to be scooped up and whisked away if they need to be or calm down or whatever, like don't just have some rando like there to like check on the kids. Um, make sure that it's somebody who, you know, if kiddos freaking out that they can, you know, pick up and snuggle a little bit. 
Right. Someone who isn't the mother of the bride or the mother of the groom or somebody like that. That's I've seen happen, too. And that sort of while that person is usually a grandmother. um, Also, I think their role that day, first and foremost, is your mom. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, That was a really good episode. I hope you guys took a lot away from that one. That was good. We talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's for sure. And I hope this didn't come across as complainy in any way. This is no. this is very much our opinions, but we also want you guys to take stuff away and 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 just think about it and have conversations about it and figure out what works best for you. Yeah, and make your wedding your own. I mean, if if tradition is what you're you're rooted in and what makes you excited, do that. I mean, Rachel and I had a pretty traditional wedding in in most mm-hmm. senses. We got married in a church. We got married at a, uh, our reception was at a country club. But we you know we had a flower some, girl. We had a flower girl, um, and we we had a flower girl and a ring bearer. You know, and we um yeah. uh, we we did little things to make it our own, but really just. Do whatever feels right for you. And Danielle and I, you know, uh, say some silly things sometimes, but know that these are just our opinions and, you know, we're just sharing them in the hopes that you will, you know, look at your wedding day as not this thing that you have to do and not this like rigid structure that you have to follow, but something that you can mold and is flexible um, and you have the ability to make special and make your own. Exactly. So yeah. guys, check out the put a ring on it podcast.com website as always for show notes and more information. Yep. Check out our uh, season sponsor, a special thanks to them, the Naughty Taiko, which offers incredibly beautiful custom ties, bow ties and pocket squares. Yep. And keep those stories coming. Keep your questions coming. We're getting ready for our wrap up episode of season three where we're going to shoot to do another Q&A episode or give us a call 267-521-2686 and we might play your voicemail on an upcoming episode Woo-woo. Um, like us on Facebook to keep in touch ask questions and get updates on season three. Oh, oh and thank Wait, you what? guys for all of the iTunes love we've been getting oh yeah We've been getting more and more ratings and reviews, which like I check it all the time and it totally makes my day when we get a new review. So, yeah. How many plays are we up to right now? Do you know where we're at? 33,000? Check. We are at, hold please, 33,000, over 33,000. Ah, awesome. Guys, Thank you, everybody. 33,000 listens. That's huge. That's, that's a lot. Woo-woo. All right, guys. We will see you in two weeks. What does what's Forrest Gump's password? What? One Forest One. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one the best. <laughs>